Thank you for joining us today for TEDCO Talks, a new series featuring thought leaders in economic development from across the state of Maryland. Join TEDCO CEO, Troy Lamel Stovall, in thought-provoking conversations with regional leaders about the future of Maryland's innovation ecosystem. In this episode, Troy is joined by Rich Bendis, President and CEO of BioHealth Innovation. Listen now to learn more about Rich and the role he plays in supporting Maryland and DC's entrepreneurial ecosystem. How's everyone? Hope everyone had a super, super week. Uh, again, this is Troy Lamel Stovall, CEO and Executive Director of TEDCO. Uh, once again, with another episode of TEDCO Talks. And I couldn't be, I mean, I, I know I say this a lot, but I really am excited about the, the gentleman we're going to talk to today. And, um, you know, we spent a lot of time in these last several weeks and months talking to individuals who have truly moved the needle in terms of Maryland's innovation and entrepreneurial culture. Uh, but we're going to talk to someone today that's not just done that in Maryland, but really across the, across the country and uh, really uh, has invested his career in innovation and entrepreneurship. But most importantly, he's got that traditional radio voice that we all love to hear uh, when we have. Rich Bendis with, with BioHealth Innovations. Rich, thank you. Thank you for being on Teco Talks today. Troy, thanks for the the invitation and you forgot to say that I also have a face for radio. <laughs> See, I wasn't going to go there, my friend. You're my friend, so I, I'm not going to go there. I'm not okay. going to go there. So, look, Rich, you know, one of the things I like to have our guests talk about is their journey, right? And, and, and you know, tell it in a way so that when, if someone who's out there that hears something about their journey that emulates yours, they get something out of it and they can take away from this conversation how you've overcome and how they could look for ways to overcome. Well, thank you for that. And you know what, I, I was thinking about that question when we talked in, a, in advance about the journey, you know, and I was reflecting on something that happened a long time ago, Troy, and that was, you know, I was very fortunate to get an Entrepreneur of the Year award from Ernst & Young, and I was standing up there giving my acceptance speech, and I was just recognizing what where the genes came from for entrepreneurism, because my parents had a mom and pop grocery store in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and we lived above it in an apartment. So I never thought about them as entrepreneurs, but that was really the beginning. And we talk about roots. My roots really started with my parents because I never thought about them as entrepreneurs, but that's probably where I uh, got it from. And you know, it, the evolution was one that was never planned. Uh, my career has really evolved based on just being at the right place at the right time. Um, and yes, very briefly, I started out in large corporations, uh, Quaker Oats, Polaroid, Texas Instruments, Marion Laboratories. I had the fortune of being able to take an IT software company public on NASDAQ uh, back in the 80s. Um, and then after taking that public, had the opportunity to, you know, to have a little exit and I created a little fund because I wanted to give back. And I, I did this in Kansas City and it was really we created something called the Silicon Prairie because it wasn't as robust as the Silicon Valley. So we created something out on the prairie, but we really didn't have all of the the bankers, the lawyers, the accountants, everybody that understood technology back there. So we tried to, to build something to make it a little more engaging for 
emerging entrepreneurs that didn't have access to all of their resources they needed. And as I progressed through my career, uh, I did have the opportunity to, to make investments as an angel investor to help other people sort of in the technology and the life science space, migrated to the East Coast, helped create Innovation Philadelphia, which was a private-public partnership in southeastern Pennsylvania, doing similar things that you and I do down here in Maryland, mm -hmm. and then ended up in, uh, in Maryland uh, about 10 years ago. And just to give a little background, I was speaking at the National Academy of Sciences and talking about what it takes to build a robust ecosystem in the life sciences. Somebody from Johns Hopkins was in the audience, said, what you just explained is what we'd like to create in Maryland. Could you come down and talk to us? And so, you know, from there, that's how biohealth innovation got started. And uh, it really, uh, I, I'm in Maryland today, uh, Troy, not because I have to be, it's because I want to be. I love it. I can't think of another place in the United uh, States or the world that has more assets, mm -hmm. especially in the space that we're working in, the biohealth and life space, uh, and really that are really underappreciated, maybe underconnected from where they should be. And what you and I are trying to do right now is to create greater awareness of the fantastic assets, technology, entrepreneurs, and partnerships we have in the state of Maryland. No, a lot of, first of all, thank you for that. Uh, thank you for all you've done across the country around this. And obviously in Maryland, we'll, we'll talk, but I, I want to, if I, I heard, as I was listening to you and then what I've learned about you, um, you, you said right place, right time. And, you know, some people might interpret that as luck, but, but let, let's, let's, let's don't know just a minute because Luck isn't, I would agree, I, I believe luck isn't something that just happens. It happens because of something that you've done. And so the other word I heard in your, in your background there um, was perseverance. Uh, I guess I'd like to, you to talk a little bit about if you agree with that and kind of, because it's, it's not always luck, it's about how you make that luck happen. And that's, that has to do with perseverance. Yeah, and I, that's a really good reflection because you know, growing up in Pittsburgh and then you know, moving throughout the Midwest, Cincinnati, Indianapolis, Kansas City, I, I call it a Midwest work, work ethic and a work mentality is that basically nothing's really given to you. You need to work for it. Sometimes you have to be patient. The other is you have to be persistent, but it, it, it doesn't happen unless you work hard. And so at the end of the day, I think based on how my parents raised me and the environment that I grow up in, grew up in, it really gets down to uh, seeing what the goal is there, working as hard or harder than other people uh, that are trying to achieve that same goal and developing an unbelievable work ethic that will lead towards future successes. So the persistence is something that if you want to be an entrepreneur, and you are not persistent, you probably will not be successful. So I agree with you 100% on that. I always talk about the two Ps, patience and persistence, though. I love it. I love it. You know, I um, when I first started uh, this business, uh, I got a chance to go to Silicon Valley and meet, you know, the, the, what I call the kings of the, of the Sand Hill Road, these people who are just legendary venture capitalists who are, I mean, we were, we were limited partners in several of their funds. And, and, and one of many things they told me or taught me was that they always, this is as much as a great idea, they really were investing in the people with that idea. And it's really about investing in great people who may have an okay idea 
and not the other way around. And, and I guess I, 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 my question is, or thought is, as you said, that's kind of what I heard from you is, you know, this is all about the type of people uh, who may have an okay idea, not so much who have a, a great idea, but not so great people. Yeah, there's two elements to that. One of them is really organizational development when you're talking about people. And early in my career, I had the privilege of going to a week-long educational program, and it's called Building a Quality Organization. And in that, it basically said, you're only as strong as far as your shadow will reach, mm. meaning that I can only reach as far, but the two people that I can touch on either side have to be extensions and complement and bring other skill sets that I don't have in order for us to succeed more than just me or you doing it by ourselves. And then the, you know, the other thing when you're talking about entrepreneurial culture and mentality, uh, I, I agree with that. Um, you really need to have people that are ethical, they're uh, vision, uh, they're driven, uh, they have a passion for what they're doing. And sometimes they might not have the best technology or the best market, but if you have the right people, sometimes you can get them to pivot into an area where they can actually succeed versus an area where they may have started and there's no pathway to success. But if you have quality uh, assets and people to work with, then you generally have a, a better chance of succeeding with them. A lot of P's there, right? We got the pivot, we got the perseverance, we got the patience, and we got people. A lot of P's in that. But that's that. Hopefully, people will take a lot of P's. A lot of P's. A lot of P's there. You, you're reminding me of something I, I tell my kids, and someone taught me. I said, "You, you can." I tell my kids all the time that you can only rise, Rich, to the highest level of the lowest level of the people you keep around you. Um, and, and so, you know, it's, it's, it's about elevating yourself by elevating those people, having people around you who can help elevate you. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. And you know what? We're very fortunate here in Maryland because if you look at the quality of the people that we have the ability to interact with, uh, you know, we have one of the most highly educated states in all of America. And But yeah, I don't think the people here wear their pedigrees on their sleeve. I think that the people here might be well-educated, but yet they seem to be down to earth. They don't come across with that mentality of better than thee. And so I think we really have high quality resources and people to work with within this whole Maryland innovation and entrepreneurial ecosystem, which makes years of my job a little bit easier. Well, let's jump right into that. And so let's, won't you tell our listeners a little bit more about biohealth innovations and kind of what you do for the, for Maryland here in the ecosystem. And, and you mentioned these assets, you're right. I believe we have all these right assets and you and I have talked about this notion of knitting them together and bringing them together and, and the role that biohealth innovations has in, in making that happen. Yeah, if you really look at our, our mission for biohealth innovation, which uh, I created back in 2011, uh, the way we did it, Troy, was to say what exists within our ecosystem that's working and where are the gaps that need to be addressed that we can help fill. And because uh, if you're going to be an economic development organization, the worst thing in the world is, is to be competing with your potential partners that you want to work with. Exactly. You want to find ways that you complement each other uh, in your partnership effort. So 
if you look at what we do, our whole mission in life is to accelerate the growth of commercially relevant biohealth, entrepreneurs, scientists, researchers, and companies within the biohealth capital region, which was Maryland, DC, and Virginia. And, uh, and if we look at where the epicenter is for the biohealth capital region, it's in Maryland, because we see that probably 80% of the resources and assets companies, uh, National Institute of Health, FDA, CMS in Baltimore, Johns Hopkins University System of Maryland, 2,300 companies. Mm -hmm. I mean, really, this ecosystem is real robust. The challenge I found, and maybe you have found as you enter, is that sometimes everything's not connected. Yep. And, you know, uh, when I first came yeah. into the region, you know, I'll tell you a little funny side story. Everybody uh, would say, where'd you go to school? And, you know, I thought people want to know where you went to college. No, they wanted to know where prep school you went to, you know? <laughs> and so I didn't go to a prep school in my, in my life. And I definitely didn't do it in Philadelphia or Baltimore. But, but at the same time, uh, also, I was wondering why we couldn't partner together and, you know, trying to get people in Montgomery County and Baltimore or Washington, D.C. or Frederick to get on the same page sometime. And, you know, I said, it's only 35 miles and uh, 35 miles from Baltimore to Montgomery County. Why can't we just work together? It, it's sort of this competitive environment. And I think what you're trying to do with some of your entrepreneurial tools and databases to connect people is going to be a, a valuable way of getting more people who have uh, programs, services that they can offer to get to the people that need them. And I hope that we can work with you and help uh, as part of that delivery system. Well, it's no no doubt about that. And and listeners who've heard heard me talk, uh, you know, I talk about a uh, rich that uh, Maryland has, like you just said, Maryland has all the assets. There's no debating that. Right. When you compare Maryland to the Californias or the Massachusetts or you know the the Central Texas areas, we have all the assets. That's not the question. The question is their proximity to one another and their leveraging of one another, right? And 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 I like to talk about we will get bigger and stronger by getting smaller. By, by minimizing those degrees of separation between any two people or organizations, that's how we get bigger. That's how we get stronger. And that's what you and I have talked about. It's when you and I have, you know, meeting you and, and leveraging what you guys do. And you're right, it's not about when you want to do something new, it's, it's amplifying what others are doing and supporting what others, as opposed to replicating what others are doing in this space. Yeah. I think the other thing is it's also about branding because if people think about our region that we work in, it, it's got this historical background of being a government and an academic. It doesn't have that same persona as a you know entrepreneurial venture capital like Silicon Valley Research Triangle, uh, Route 128 up in in Boston. But I, I think change is occurring right now. You know, you're starting to see sort of the tech transfer offices look at doing startups rather than licensing their technology right now. You're starting to see more and more serial entrepreneurs who are doing it for the second and third time. And maybe they weren't successful each time they did that. Uh, and, you know, may, maybe we're a little more conservative in this region where you don't forgive them as easy with a failure uh, when you try to do your second startup. But I think the culture is changing right now. Uh, and I think a lot of that has to do with some of the great success stories we've had come out of this region. Yeah. And the other thing I'll add to that is, you know, I actually got a list uh, this past week 
of all the venture capital entities, institutional capital entities that, that either have outposts in Maryland or, you know, or headquarters, or having regional or national headquarters. So then that list is growing. And so as, and, and it literally is a right. kind of a dynamic on list. And, and so that that's becomes a really good proxy for others talking about what well, you and I just said, be able to value that and put money into it. Um, Rich, let's just pivot a little bit. You know, look, we're sitting here, um, this is uh, what March of, of 2021 and uh, the calendar year 2020 uh, is behind us, but it doesn't always feel like 2020 is behind us given we're still kind of dealing with. So as Rich looks back to January a year ago, 2020, I'm sure you came into the year, you had plans for yourself uh, and, and biohealth. Uh, and then two months, three months in, you kind of threw all that out the window uh, because of this thing we now call COVID. So I guess I, I guess I want to know is you know how has uh, Rich personally pivoted? That's one uh, in your personal life, and then also how have you pivoted biohealth through this, and how you how you're looking at as we come out of this? Yeah, the perception, Troy. I think personally, you know, uh, our, all of our lives have changed because I have family in California, Indianapolis. I have them in New Jersey. Kansas City. And so the key is for, for, you know, holidays where we, we traditionally get together for all of us, we didn't have anybody for Thanksgiving or Christmas this year. Yeah. You know, we're doing family zooms uh, on, <laughs> as much, on a regular basis, as much as possible. Yeah. And, you know, you find out that maybe we have more frequent communication with the family, even it's not as quality oriented in person, but because of the distance and the inability to see one another, we do have a little more regular communication with the family, which is a positive. I can't wait back to go back and, you know, I've got eight grandchildren and three children and I, you know, I can't wait to see them all in person. Uh, but from a business perspective of biohealth innovation, we ended up uh, getting into a, you know, the shutdown just like everybody else did right at the beginning. And our office is in Rockville. Uh, we've been operating virtually for a year now. I actually haven't been into the office in 12 months. Wow. Um, we wow. have our VP of finance uh, that has uh, has uh, goes in and wait, you know, payroll payables and things like that that have to be done once or twice a, uh, a week or every other week. But they go in for, a, a, you know, a short period of time, but not really with other staff members until everybody gets vaccinated. You know, the, the funny thing, though, is that we had a plan that we wanted to implement in January. We've been working the plan. And uh, fortunately, knock on wood, we actually achieved our goals in 2020. And, you know, I, I think that basically people uh, have added to this virtual uh, work style. Um, another thing that's changed, Troy, is the day never ends. Because it's not like it's uh, eight to five in an office. It's basically seven o'clock to eleven o'clock, and you could be doing a Zoom with somebody, and it doesn't make any difference because you know the days and the hours run into each other. Um, it's not like you're planning for this big getaway on Friday. So here we are on Friday doing Tedco talks, <laughs> right? Uh, so no, I, I think that you know we alter our work behavior. But I'm very proud of our team. Uh, they have adapted extremely well. As a matter of fact, we've hired four people in the last four wow. months. And wow. uh, those are new entrepreneurs. 
entrepreneurs and residents uh, that we work with NIH on. And this is another dynamic of what's changed. In the past, our entrepreneur and residence program with NIH, they wanted everybody to live in Maryland so they could get to the office in Bethesda uh, a couple times a week. Guess what's changed? Now they say, well, let's find the best person available wherever they are in the country that has the skills we need. So the last four hires, Angeles Research Triangle, New York, and Louisville, Kentucky. And they're all doing work back here in Maryland, but they're not required to have to travel back to Maryland to go and be in the National Institute of Health Office. So you know, in some ways, I think that's part of the dynamic we're going to see in the future. The new normal may be that we don't have to have everybody right near us and uh, have to be coming to the office every day of the week. We, you know, we need to make certain that we service our clients uh, as well as possible, but that may be, be able to be done in this modified virtual world that we exist in today. No, I couldn't agree with you more. I'm, I'm, I'm in the camp that, um, A, we, yes, we'll get all get, you know, those that will get vaccinated, will get vaccinated, but you can't vaccinate fear um, and you can't vaccinate the reality that uh, some people are going to be comfortable being around a lot of other people. And so this notion of the five days in the office, in, uh, it, I think it's dead. Uh, I think there's going to be more yeah. uh, modularity um, and people will work and live in places to your point where, oh, I don't have to come in once a month or once a week. I can live in a different place. And I can tell you from a TEDCO slash Maryland perspective, what I think that's going to talk to think about is some of the rural areas of the state will start to gain some talent and some opportunities that we wouldn't have seen before because individuals will be living in those uh, what we now consider rural areas or non-urban areas. And I think that's gonna create some interesting entrepreneurial activity in those spaces. I agree 100% because there's not as much disadvantage to be in a rural uh, or non-metropolitan area today as there has been in the past because the manner in which we're communicating, it requires, uh, it doesn't require a lot of personal face-to-face -face interaction to consummate a deal. Mm -hmm. I mean, most of the stuff that the last 12 months mm -hmm. has been uh, virtual with new contracts we've signed, new clients we've set up, venture capital investments that have been made, companies that have sold their businesses, companies that have gone IPO. A lot of this stuff has happened where some people have never met the people personally <laughs> that they've actually done a transaction uh, or work with. So that means that the people in rural Maryland may have an advantage, just like the people in downtown Bulk, of interacting with the people they need to be successful. So uh, the thing that's changed for us also is we do something called international soft landing and help international companies try to land in Maryland rather than go to Boston or San Francisco. The door has just opened to where, you know, we're talking to, next week, we have Italy, Netherlands, um, France, UK, uh, companies we're talking to that would like to enter the United States and they would like to set up initially some virtual offices because they can't come back and forth across the pond. Mm -hmm. the, I believe that the global markets yeah. have opened up more for all of us uh, to be able to interact with people. And we're not at a disadvantage right now to where we can't go fly to London, go sit down and meet with somebody the way we would have done it two years ago.
No, so I, I believe that uh, the, oppor- the the opportunity door is open for all of us. Well, you use the word opportunity. Let's let's you know you you're in this biohealth space, um, and you know you know I'm you know I'm a, an engineer, computer scientist by training, and the 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 let's talk about this diversity that it, that exists or minimum not enough diversity. I guess maybe is a better way to say it in this space that you that you uh, play in and you have some knowledge and you're investing in. Talk to me about ways that you're thinking about how to diversify this space and and and, and how you're thinking about this notion of diversity and, and, and creating more opportunities, using your words, uh, for others that don't that have not traditionally participated in this biological yeah. space. Yeah, I, I think the key is is that this market and this industry, uh, the biohealth industry, uh, doesn't need, it it doesn't discriminate against what a person's background is. I mean, everybody has an opportunity. I think where there may be a little disenfranchisement is they may not know who the resources are or how to get to them in order to help progress with what they are doing. Uh, I think from a, if you look at uh, Maryland or even Montgomery County, it's one of the most diverse counties uh, in the United States, which people don't know, you know, it, I mean, we have rural elements of it. You have all of the people that are working at all these federal agencies with all different ethnicities um, and uh, almost every different diverse population exists within the state of Maryland in different regions. And I guess the key is I uh, you probably are developing. I know that's one of your goals to develop more programs and services to get to the underserved community because that has not been as much of a priority in the past mm-hmm. and we need to do more of it. And you can see that happening nationally, just the amount of attention that's that's growing, uh, that there's very talented people that don't have access to those resources they need to grow. And what we need is greater connectivity to connect them to them. No, and that's the, the word is connectivity and exposure. I'd use that other word is, is how do you get them more exposed so they know about those opportunities and they know to be a part of them uh, and thinking more broadly about the types of opportunities that, that exist in, in these spaces. Uh, and you're right, we are, we, we've got different programs. If people go to our website, techcovmd.com, you know, we have things like the Builder Fund, the Rubric. We're going to be launching a thing called the Urban Business, Business Innovation Initiative. We have the Rural Business Innovation Initiative. So yeah, we, we're, for us, diversity isn't just about gender or race, but it's also socioeconomic and geographic to make sure that the opportunities for all Marylanders are available to them. And that's what we want to talk about. And that's, I know you, you share that same goal. So, so Richard, as we, as we close- I share that totally with you. As we close, I want to go back to, to kind of your uh, kind of personal kind of COVID. I'm just asking people, uh, you know, what's been this, uh, Kind of, uh, you know, I don't know about you, but you know, I've got every streaming service. I got probably too many of these streaming services running around, <laughs> um, and 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 with that, you pick up some some old shows that you know you or old movies that you kind of been watching more more than once. So, what's that old show or old movie that you you started watching uh, because of because of COVID? We're watching a whole bunch of those new series that come out too. That I'm, I'm not—I've never been that in the past, and I don't watch a lot of them on TV. But yeah, I'll tell you the funny thing, Troy. I have a granddaughter who lives in Indianapolis, but she's going to the University of Kansas. I'm in Kansas City right now. She comes and spend one or two days a night with us, 
in Kansas City. So that's part of the family we get to see, which is a blessing. Yeah. And after dinner, we all sit down yeah. together and she goes, what are we going to watch tonight? And so we're basically, she she's uh, getting to see movies uh, that came up in the 80s or 90s. And you said, well, you've never seen that before? And she <laughs> said, no. And so uh, things that we've watched together with her, we just watched uh, the one with Tom Cruise and uh, Jack uh, Jack Nicholson on the- uh, Oh, um, all, uh, uh, favorite A Few Good Men. A Few Good Men. I was gonna say A Few Good Men. Yeah, A Few Good Men. With, with, a Few Good Men. You, you can't yeah, handle the truth. Men. You can't we handle watched, the truth. <laughs> You can't handle the truth, true. right? <laughs> and then you know, we watched the the Watergate movie uh, with Dustin Hoffman and Robert Redford in Watergate uh, yeah. about that, which is historical, which he had uh, never seen that before. Yeah. We watched uh, Top Gun, Sleepless, Sleepless in Seattle, uh, You Got Mail. I mean, all of these <laughs> movies she's never seen in her life, and they're all sort of classics. So it's fun to watch a 20-year-old go back to what you know what you and I used to watch back in the <laughs> 80s and the 90s. Yeah, you know they got a new Top Gun coming out. Top Gun 2 is coming out after what 20 yeah, years. Yeah, Top ago. Gun 2. Yeah. So we're we're going to watch the, you know they got and coming Tom come, never ages, right? Yeah, and they got coming to America, you know, putting put out a new one. So that's going to be, you know, Eddie Murphy. I know, the, Eddie Murphy. Got the second one. So he's coming but, back. So they they right. they're catering to all of us, you know, like you said came up through the 80s. Uh, so they're catering to all of us and, and creating a whole new audience as well. Well, Rich, again, I we can yeah. go on and on. I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate uh, your counsel, your your engagement with me personally and, and with TEDCO uh, and what you do for the state of Maryland. I just can't thank you enough. Uh, and I really appreciate you. And I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, our conversation we're going to have clearly offline, but what we're going to do for the, for the entrepreneurs of, of Maryland. Yeah, Troy, thank you for being uh, inviting me on TEDCO Talks. And I think one of the things we can do is that I'd like to develop the opportunity for our teams to interact with one another. Absolutely. You know, sometimes we focus on the clients, but <laughs> I think the more BHI's team knows about what TEDCO's team's doing and vice versa, then it's easier for us to interact. So as a follow-up oh. to this, I'd like to continue the dialogue set up some ways that we can have some regular dialogue with our teams interacting with one another. Absolutely done. That's just a matter of setting the calendar. Absolutely done. So again, thank you all. Thank you for what you do. And to the audience, again, I hope, you know, like we, like I always say, hope that um, you heard something today that allows you to kind of see that what's possible is possible uh, with some patience, some perseverance uh, and, and the right people around you. You can, you too can, 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 can achieve your dream. So again, thank you, Rich. Thank you all for listening in. This is Troy Lamel Stovall, CEO and Executive Director of Tedco Talks. Thank you and see you again at the next Tedco Talks. Thanks again for listening. And a special thank you to our guest, Rich Bendis, for joining in today's discussion. For more information on Tedco and its activities, check us out at www.tedcomd.com. If you enjoyed today's discussion, Consider sharing and subscribing to Techco Talks.